Hey, welcome everyone once more to Cheltenham Only Better. Week eight. Can you believe it? Week eight. And what a stellar lineup we have for you today. Of course, Kevin Blake joins us once more. Daryl Carter. But today, our guest is David Ord from Sporting Life. So lovely to have you, David. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ackley. Looking forward to this. Great to be talking Cheltenham. Great time of year, isn't it, when you've got it just around the corner. And the, ca- the countdowns. The people who started at 363 days a year on Twitter. But they're starting getting just more manageable digits now, aren't they? So it feels meaningful. <laughs> it it does, it does. And it is, yeah, like you say, it's a lovely time of year now. Christmas is done and we're done with it. It's gone. And now we can really get stuck into the horses. And we've got quite a few to preview this week, so we should have a good time. Yeah, plenty of good action, isn't it? And some really good winners to talk about as well. And I'm sure, having heard some of the discussion before we hit record, some strong opinions too. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Blake, how are you? Yeah, not a butter, not a butter. Hanging in there, Natalie. The fog is down and golden. We say the sun always shines here, but it's not always true. And yeah, a bit, bit foggy at the minute, but far from <laughs> trouble. Our, our minds aren't that foggy, so we're not supposed to be anyway. So we'll That's what I was going to say. Hopefully your mind isn't foggy. And Daryl, how was the weekend for you? Yeah, not too bad. Some ups and downs. Beating in the Lawless and Ace at 107 on the Atlantic, so that was a bit of a sickener. But, um, yeah, keeping afloat this week. So uh, uh, not a lot of racing on this week, Natalie, is there? So all the time in the world to think about Cheltenham. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, look, the weather, the gods that be, the weather is the weather. But what we can do is we can look back um, through the week then and what's moved in certain markets. We give all of our prices from the Betfair Sportsbook. So do make sure you check out the Betfair Sportsbook. But always gamble responsibly. What we're going to do for you this week, because Daryl, actually, this was Daryl's idea, and it's good. It's really good. We've contextualised it a little bit better. So we're starting with our novice hurdlers. We look at novice chases, our juvenile hurdlers, our bumpers. So we can put it all in nice categories for you with our expert panel, so things to get stuck into. So it seems sensible to start with our novice hurdlers. Reading Tommy, re- Reading, what's wrong with me? Reading Tommy wrong. It just, just gets me that one. You definitely read that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets me. It's one of those one of those tongue twisters. Um, reading Tommy wrong, 33. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> Evan, if you've got my brain capacity, it really is. I look at it and go... Um, <laughs> reading Tommy wrong, thirty-three to one in seven to one for the Ballymore, and thirty-three to one into eight to one for the Albert Bartlett. So, who wants to kick us off then with reading Tommy wrong? Kev, I've got you on screen. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, like came in unbeaten on the race course, so only um only had been beaten in a point to point, but um seemed to be well down the old pecking order there until Sutton. Um, but uh, as everyone's made the joke by now, haven't they? They were clearly all reading Tommy wrong. Um, and he sprang the bit of an upset here. Um, like I, his jumping wouldn't wouldn't have set you alight. He was a bit getting it a bit tight and out to his left. Um, but I think the key probably was he was just kept out of the the teeth of the race until relatively late. Um, whereas it had antique like I suspect this race kind of went wrong for the Mullins team. Um, from the get-go because you watch the way they lined up and you watch the early body language like I suspect Chapeau de Soleil was supposed to lead um, he jumped off in front and Patrick was very forward with him um, it, it just unfortunately he jumped like a snooker table uh, and was back to last after three hurdles um, a pr- pretty shocking display from him it must be said and that left it Atlantique in front and in fairness I thought he settled better than he did 
Um, the time before, I thought his jumping was a bit more consistent than the time before. Um, he looked in control, um, but reading Tommy wrong ran him down. And um, look, we've seen home opinions aren't always right. They're usually fairly right with the ball in this team, but this fella has surprised them. Um, I think he relished the trip. He'd probably be just as happy going further if they wanted to do that. Um, but as we, we've said uh, last week, you know, the Ballymore just does look a little bit watery at the minute and he'd be mm. a very obvious candidate for us. Um, what you do with Il Atlantique um, is an interesting question. I thought he got the trip perfectly fine. Um, he'd be quick enough to come back and trip if they wanted to. Um, they seem to hold him in very high regard and the fact he's beaten by a, a, one held in less regard might make them want to change something. Um, interesting, I thought Willie Mullins was, was given quite a big shout out to the third, Lecky Watson. Um, he wasn't happy with the ride. I can see what he means, but he was ultimately beaten about eight lengths, and, and that's a lot mm. of lengths. So, yeah, I think I think it's probably fair to say that. Um, more questions than authoritative answers here, but um, yeah. reading, reading Tommy Rong is now a grade one winner, and he, and he has to put himself in the mix. Yeah, and Daryl, this is where it's fascinating to, to come to you. You just touched on it before, this race with Il Atlantique, so you can talk us through the race. And did he lose a lot, though, like by a neck, little in defeat there? And reading Tommy wrong was, was a bit green, but we quite like that, don't we? Because there's obviously a bit of improvement to come. So talk us through it, how, how you saw the race. Well, I wouldn't underestimate him, uh, reading Tommy wrong on the back of this performance, because when you go back and you analyse it from the perspective of just watching read, reading Tommy wrong, he's, he's made a mistake at nearly every hurdle. He's mm. losing ground at nearly every hurdle, but he's coming back on the bit in Daryl's hands every time, right up the rear of the of the, the asses of the leader. And he's sort of having to keep hold of him. Like it, it, every point throughout the race, he was sort of off and on the bridle. And Daryl mentioned after the race that he rode like a three miler, but I kind of see it as he, he wasn't ha entirely happy being buried away behind runners. Um, mm. He kept running. You, you look at him when he turns for home, for example, he's swinging, he's, he's traveling the best of, of all of them. Now, this was a really truly run race. Um, in Atlantic didn't do too much too soon. It was he'd almost got the fractions absolutely spot on. I didn't think Tommy reading Tommy wrong was ever more than sort of four or five lengths off, unless he was making a mistake at a hurdle and then using that energy to get back on terms. I thought if he was given a bit of daylight and he jumped a bit better, I thought he might have been a more of an impressive winner than he than than just the, the neck margin. So I've got a feeling he's going to be very underestimated. And I think I think he will learn a great deal from that, from being mm. in behind those runners. If you look back at him when he ran at York, he jumped perfectly fine at Cork. He jumped perfectly fine, but he was given loads of daylight towards the head of affairs. And um, he was just sort of, I suppose he hasn't got a lot of speed, but he, he, he seems to have quite a high cruising speed. And the way he went through this race, the way he was able to make their mistakes and keep on latching on, to the back of the pack, I thought it was quite taken to be honest. Mm. I, I would say that there's a bigger performance to come from reading Tommy wrong, and I would not sleep on him whatsoever. I think seven to one's a very fair price for him, and I, and and I think Il Atlantic just was beaten by a better horse. In all honesty, yeah, it's fair enough. I I couldn't agree more. And and, and Dave, this is what we talk about a lot. Sometimes this greenness that we saw from reading Tommy wrong it is we quite like it because then obviously the improvements yet to come and they learn a lot on the job. So, Dave, what did you think of the race? I think it's interesting. I think most of it's been covered. I think coming back to Mullins' horses, novice herders improving their jumping is going to be a theme for the podcast. Um, I think it was interesting. The initial thoughts for Dadleworth, Albert Bartlett, for reading Tommy Wrong, that switch now, they're thinking Ballymore. 
seemingly sticking at the intermediate trip. I've got one or two doubts about Elan Atlantic off the bridle. He travelled really well through his race and a couple of bumpers he didn't pick up as you're going to expect. I can see the theory of dropping back to two miles. Patrick thinks he needs soft ground, very quite deep ground. They don't think he let himself down a couple of times last year in bumpers when it wasn't particularly soft. So he might be ground dependent. I think Lecky Watson's very interesting for a high-end handicap somewhere. I think that he just strikes me as being just that sort of project. He came to life in the big field bumper at Cheltenham last year, ran a cracker. I think a big field, he's getting plenty of experience. It wouldn't surprise me if he popped up in a in a big handicap and ran well at Cheltenham. Uh, but yeah, reading Toby Wrong, he's done nothing. Wrong has he progressing along the line. He wasn't towards the top of the close-up and pecking order going into there, but I think he's emerged as one of their leading players potentially for that Ballymore. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting shout, Dave. That's a very interesting shout. He, he's had three runs over hurdles at the minute, so he just need one more to qualify since they, they changed that rule. You need four now. Yeah. And if they've got loads of time to do it, and I'd say he'd be on track for the right sort of mark after that now, maybe once the English handicapper adds on the tax, you'll be talking kind of, you be talking kind of low 140s, which is where you want to be. So that, that's a nice yeah. shout now. I like that. You get into the Martin Pipe, that might just suit him. <laughs> <laughs> very good and it's good we've talked about both and then and Il Atlantique I'm just going to mention that it's unchanged at 8-1 to one, uh, for the Ballymore on the Betfair Sportsbook but the next horse that we're going to look at is Tully Hill that was 50-1 to one into 20-1 to one for the Supreme and 33-1 to one into 20-1 to one for the Ballymore to be fair look he looked um, head and shoulders above the opposition on paper didn't he and and he won with plenty in hand, a, a nice front-running ride. Um, Daryl, let's start with you on Tully Hill. Yeah, um, he's obviously got a bit of ability, hasn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I just, I'm just not overly convinced by him. I mentioned that the Lawless and Ace was was a fairly strongly run contest. In fact, it was 24 lengths quicker than anything else on the card on the circuit time. Tully Hill wasn't the second fastest on the card. It was the, the handicap winner, a lowly handicap rated winner. Um, so that's obviously a slight concern for him that he's not putting up the figures. I I, I honestly, I'm the lad to be able to tell you more, but I really just don't know where you go with him. I, I don't know what you do. He's obviously got some ability. Maybe we'll see it when he goes over fences, but for me, he's not done enough to even sort of consider him for, for, for a, a grade one at the, at the festival, perhaps the Albert Barlett. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you do with him. No, Dave, have you got um do you share the same opinion? I think he's a longer term project, isn't he? I think at the start of this with his novice hurdlers have been slow to come to the boil this year. We've been waiting for things to happen. They all got turned over, long odds on. The, the, the three big Tuller Hill was up there, Ballyburn was another, Mirazur West, I think, were the three that they thought at the start of the season might might come for. They all got beat at odds on first time out, long odds on two. He was better second time, but there's still a lot of scope for improvement with the, the jumping. It might be that the big spring festivals are a season too soon for him, but there's an engine there, and I think they they think plenty of him. It might be as an obvious chaser in 12 months' time that we've seen him beginning to fulfil that potential. But he, yeah, he's a, he's a horse I really like, but I'm not sure it's going to be for March 2024. Yeah, Kev, have you got any insightful knowledge for us? Uh, well, like you'll remember that, like we, we were pretty negative on this fella after his first start over hurdles. I was particularly negative about him. Didn't like the way he approached the yeah. hurdles at all. Um, this was better. Like it was a very different trip. He's dropped back from two miles six back down to two miles, and I'd say just just the the more level tempo was probably held to him. So I'd say his brain's probably the problem. He he's just not very good at you know when, when you're going slower paces, they have to think a bit more. Um, I think making the run over shorter, he found it a bit easier. He was still 
shortening into a few, still a little bit left at the last in particular, but he was he definitely showed more of an appetite. Um, but as Daryl mentioned, like the, the, these were very calm waters and he got a solo run. So he's gonna have to go up in class to some extent now. And you just worry that when the when the level is lifted, that his jumping and, and maybe his lack of brain power um, might come back against him again. But look, we'll watch his progress with interest. We've seen um start one to start two, he's he's gone the right way there. Um, and we'll see how he goes from start two to start three. Yeah, so we're kind of like simmering water here. We're not quite sure, but one, one to watch, I'm sure we'll delve into at a later time. But mystical power with that beautiful breeding, because it is nice when a plan comes together. Kev, you'll know more than anyone, but loads of my friends breed horses and flipping heck, it, God, it looks like a <laughs> Russian roulette only, to me. Only, only the mad ones, I'd say. <laughs> I admire anyone that tries to breed a racehorse, but Mystical Power, that beautiful Annie Power um, foal sire by Galileo. I mean, it's a dream on paper and it, it looks to be turning out all right. Um, <laughs> 14 to 1 into 4 to 1 for the Supreme on the Betfair Sportsbook and 25 to 1 into 8 to 1 for the Ballymore. But I wanted to go to Daryl on this firstly, Mystical Power, because Daryl, we have got a reader question. Um, I think it's a good question. It's from David Hurst saying... Um, do you think it is still possible that Mystical Power could go in the Ballymore as I forgot to back it for the Supreme? Ah, Yeah, well, well, that, I, I think that's on the back of the Cheltenham Festival Focus column that I on <laughs> Sunday. Um, he, he went up for the Ballymore at 25 and he went up for the Supreme at 14. So a little pat on the back for me there. Um, but, <laughs> um, do I think he'll go to the Ballymore? Personally, I think he's a Ballymore horse. Whether or not they will, they will step him up, back up and trip, I'm not too sure. Look, this was a... This was a really, really bad race. This was a bad grade two. Uh, James's gate was sort of left Woody Mullins' last year. He may have bounced coming out 19 days after Leopardstown after being off for so long. Um, LeBron didn't give his run in. And Mystical Power actually, through collateral form, was in total to beat Jigoro um, because he beat a uh, he beat a horse at Galway who then subsequently went and beat Flameborough, who in turn had beaten Jigoro six lengths. So the collateral form suggested he was entitled to win that race. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he was really, really impressive. The burst of speed he showed off, what was mm. an ordinary gallop. They didn't go slow. I've seen a lot of people saying they, they went really slow. They didn't go really slow. They were on par with uh, Liz de Fortune. But from the third last to the line, he is just quickened away. Like, he was 20 lengths faster than Liz de Fortune. So, like, it, it, there's, there's definite huge potential there with him. Um, a lot of people seem to want to crab him on his price now. But, you know, like I would always say, assess the ability of the horse and then try and match the price to it rather than slating the price and then therefore not liking the horse. Yeah. But there, there, there's so much sort of to pick out from this race. Um, he was 14 to 1 into 11 to 2 from the law, for the Lawless before he was withdrawn, right? And people were also saying he was an 8 to 1 shot for the for the grade 1 lawless of nace you know if they thought he was that good he should have been favorite that was never going to happen but right we had ryan on last week our um odds compiler and he said that he was the only horse for money in that market when the market reopened they opened him up at 6 to 1 so mm. and 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 the favorites were very uneasy for that lawless of nace so there was definitely confidence behind him now a lot of people are also crabbing because he ran in july last year but yeah I'd be very surprised if Rich Ritchie, JP McManus and, and John Magna are going to get involved in a horse that they think is going to be a summer horse. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of things that people are crabbing this horse for already that are just nonsense reasons, right? 
But this this was a, this was a really good performance. I don't think you can knock it. I would just be concerned about him. Would he be able to hold his position with the way he jumped on Sunday in a strongly run supreme where they go hell for leather straight off the bat? So I'm looking at something like a Jericho de Repine, for example, and I'm looking at the stride patterns of the two horses. And if you look at Jericho de Repine, he's quick and slick over his hurdles, can hold a position where you'd like to think he could with that big, long stride. Different type is mystical power. Probably shorter, sharper, a um, bit more speed. I know, I mean, see, Kev mentioned about he should be going back to the flat. Like, he's that sort of speedy type. If he went to the Ballymore, there would not be a horse that would be able to live with the burst of speed that he has. So for me, I don't think he'd have any trouble staying at Ballymore trip. I think the slower tempo would help his jumping. And I think towards the latter part of the race in a Ballymore, he would be quickening away. So those are my initial thoughts on him. It was a bad race, but I'm happy to be on the prices I am we're on. And, and I wouldn't throw away that Ballymore ticket, that's for sure. No, don't. And and Kev, I don't I see for me, Mr. Power is another one learning on the job, because I don't think really Mark asked anything of him until he said, let's go. And when he said, let's go, boy, he went. And he was a little bit keen, you could say. He's sort of far from the finished product, but he didn't really need to ask. Like Daryl said, it wasn't the best race. But when he did kick on, I mean, it was visually quite impressive, I thought. Yeah, like, like he's a really interesting character study, like because reading between the lines, he doesn't show them loads at home, um, which is probably part of the reason why he started in the summer. And but, but like I, I just think there's an awful lot of raw ability in there. Like to me, the eye-catching thing with him twice the last twice is two starts over hurdles. Like his jumping technique wouldn't set you alight. It's not like he's ripping him out of the ground, but he's just he doesn't look the world's most natural. Um giving him a little bit more air than you'd like um at times. But on both occasions, like when he's been asked to make headway, both times kind of in traffic, like the way he's picked up into the bridle, like and kind of powered into the space in front of him. Like was really impressive to me, and like I say, like I, I really think he could be he could be quite a good flat horse, um, because like people forget with Galileo, like for for like arguably the greatest stallion we've ever seen, um, you know that was very much a middle distance stallion, and a whole heap of his progeny would have gone hurdling over many years. Like he's only ever had kind of three or four jumpers that have gotten to a rating of one fifty plus, which would be a pretty low return. Like they'd have a reputation for being not the most natural when it comes to hurdling um, mm. and this fella probably fits that mold um but but i i do really like him um what trip he wants like he, he does take a good enough grip which would make me slightly cautious about going up and trip you know and, he, and he's taking those grips despite kind of being trapped into cover etc yeah um so that would that would worry me slightly but it's only slightly and his jumping you just love it as slicking up a little bit there wasn't a huge improvement i didn't think from first start to second in that regard but look he's fine he's grand um grand slash solid is the way i've described it in my in my famous um notation method um so yeah I, I really like him i think there's loads of ability in there i'd love to see him in the flat i don't think we will with his, with his connections jp jp slow enough to do it um but geez that would be fun if they if his hurdling career took a left turn i'd love to see him on the flat yeah, and Dave, because I get carried away with the narrative, but he has got the power of Annie Power, and I love the, the rawness of mystical power. How, do you like him? I love him. I put him up as my performance of the week. I don't think there's a jingle. I've got. No, there isn't. But that, <laughs> no. Right. no more jingles. From, <laughs> there should be. There should it, be. It didn't come from left field, because Daryl touched upon it. There was a lot of money from that Lawless of Nace, and there, there was a lot of talk. Two weeks ago, Mark Walsh showed him in a piece of work at Close Sutton that they, they were beginning to see things that they hadn't seen from him 
because um, he, he scrambled home with a bumper. Galway was good in the last 300 yards, wasn't he? It was yeah, that man. way he finished his race there that excited. But he got a big time form number that day. He went into he went into the Moscow Flyer with a big P and a big number. He's one four three P now, which is five or six pounds off the top slot. That's in very short space of time. That's in three runs, two in the summer, one in deep ground in the winter. What I thought was interesting, Patrick was saying yesterday um, that he'd spent a lot of his pre-training with Ender Bolger and done loads and loads and loads of jumping there. And he thinks that what he's hurdling, they might not be able to improve it that much. This might be just how he gets from A to B over his hurdles. There isn't a magic switch they can deploy that's suddenly going to get him to be a really slick hurdler, potentially. So th that's a negative. But it was what he did when he went between horses and picked up that that turn of foot and how hard how hard he hit the line again that's exciting. And mm. I, I think he'll run supreme because I think if you look at Billy, uh, Billy's, I don't know him that well, Willie's um, <laughs> Marvin's hurdle squad. Barry, we've had Barry York Burns. and Cork, we've had Red and Tommy, and now we've got yeah, Willie. Yeah. Billy. Billy, Billy's not his hurdle team. But it, I mean, Ballyburn's a natural fit for that Ballymore, and if they wanted to go down there with reading Tommy wrong, they're, they're a bit light on the two milers, and that speed he showed to put this race to bed. I think he's excited. It's not just a pedigree either. I think he's taken them by surprise. I think that's a good sign too. Yeah, and that's your performance of the week. That's great to get that in there, yeah? It is. No, no jingle, I was disappointed with that, but he, that is the performance of the week, yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's mystical power. Lovely. Very exciting. And um, we kind of move on to our next section of novice chasers now. Um, and another one that I love to pronounce, Quilixios. So I had to practice that quite a few times before the show. Quilixios. Did it even did it in the mirror? And um Quil <laughs> still can't say it now, third time. Quilixios <laughs> um was the serial um winner fund is now 150k. Woohoo! So keep going, Rachel Blackmore. So obviously every time she rides that winner, that extra 5K. So yes, Quilixios. Um, 50 to 1 into 20 to 1 for the Arkle. 33 to 1 into 20 to 1 for the Turners on the Betfair Sportsbook. So Kevin Blake, take it away. Yeah, I'm struggling to find a proper replay of this race because the replay's a bit messed up and I didn't see it live. I know. I've, got, I've got the closing stages at the very least. Um, and look, they, they've been messing around with his trip a little bit um, since he's gone over fences. Like, he, he never raced beyond two miles, really, over hurdles. He won his maiden chase over two, three. They went up to three miles, and, and he ran um, pretty abysmally um, back down to the minimum here. And th this was his best effort over fences so far. Um, look, ultimately won well. Um, a big point of attention in the race was the eclipse of Mr. Policeman, who's a horse that had a big reputation and, and isn't delivering right now. But um, Quilixias, look, we know what his level is. Like, he, he was a very good hurdler, um, you know, 150 rated. Um, and look, his, his he had a, hit a bump in the road to Punchestown, but this was more like it. And um, look, he's he's performed very well at Cheltenham before, Triumph Hurdle winner. Um, he wouldn't be the maddest one. Look, I know that there's fancier ones than him, but um, he he wouldn't be a, a mad one to send into the mix there. Um, in the one assumes the Arkle. Yeah. Um, ah, he's than, got no chance, Kev. Has he? Come nah, on, he's got he's got a chance. He's Zero got a chance. chance. He's twenty pounds off an Arkle winner, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. I was Marine National over hurdles. He was one fifty something. This fellow was one fifty. Yeah, um, Marine National's already done a one sixty over fences. Though this lad, what did he yeah. do? One four two. Yeah, look at him. It could come. I said, look, there won't be. Uh, do I fancy him for the Arkham? No, but he'd be he'd be entitled to go and have a go. Yeah, Marie Marie Nash now might start choking coming down the hill with that with this with this wind issue. He'd <laughs> <laughs> <It> need to. <laughs> I just love it. You just start to see like Daryl just start smiling. He's like, no, I'm not having it. I suppose the only positive 
the positives we could take of Calixios is it was a pretty flawless round of jumping. So that's the positive, isn't it, Daryl? Yeah, if you like, it's a Cheltenham show, don't it? Yeah, Cheltenham winners. Yeah, this guy's right. already won it. He's already won a Cheltenham. Yeah, long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, well, Dave. Was it? Was a little bit. The lads aren't having it. The well, lads I'm aren't having it. I'm nearer to Kevin than Dowling. We know he's level. We know he's talented. I don't think he'll win an Arkle. And, and I, but we need also like him to win in them, don't you? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a 150 rated horse who's rather than top team. That's just the exact sort of horse who should be running in Narkel. And don't matter mm-hmm. if he does up a 14, 16 to 1 chance on the day. The more the merrier. We need bigger fields for these races. And he's perfectly entitled to take his chance. If, yeah, they, if, they, if, they, if they bring back my, my beloved novice's handicap chase, he'd be a lovely chance in there if a mark of 143 or 4, wouldn't he? Yeah, I'm not about the Grand Annual, but that'd be such a different test for him, wouldn't it? Going in and yeah. passing over two, it might just be a bit of a, an eye yeah, on. It wouldn't, wouldn't be mad, though. Wouldn't be mad at all. Okay, but not not in our not in our sort of uh, mind for an Arco winner. Fair enough, because we've got to be honest. That's, that's the whole point. Daryl's right, it's a Cheltenham show. So let's move on to Colonel Harry, 66 to 1 into 40. To one for the Arkle and forty to one first show for the Turners. Is there any love for Colonel? I'm going to start with Daryl actually. Uh, same, look, the same comments apply, don't they? Yeah. I, I, would he would he have won if Trelawne wasn't pissing about? I don't think yeah. he would have won, would he? Um, he's a million, isn't he? <laughs> like, was he forty to one? Like, like what about yeah. the what about the yeah, the, the mark this horse was given after Sandow? Like the, the the British handicapping team, the jumps handicappers have been saying for a couple of years now that they that they they we got a bit carried away there for the last fifteen years, lads. We're gonna for the last fifteen years, we're gonna be a little bit more realistic with these horses in novice company, and they they whack them up to one forty eight for finishing second in in the Henry the Seventh, like which Jesus. Ooh. That's the problem, because they said the handicap at the weights. We need to have more novices running these handicaps. We're running the trainers are running the wrong horses, mm-hmm. didn't you? you can't because. What they're doing now is dropping the veterans so quickly. The expo yeah. horses are getting dropped five or six pounds a run, and the novices are going in too high, and they could take three or four runs to get down to a realistic mark. Yeah. Facing to him off 148 now in the handicap. Whoa. And, and a fine horse he is now. I don't okay. want to sound like I'm oh, slagging yeah. him, but Jesus, 148 was, was heavy now. It was yeah. heavy, I thought, at post Sandown. That, that looked a very ordinary grade one to me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Good. Good. That's what we're here. It's good. It's always good chats. Well, Grey Dawning might be a bit more exciting oh. for you, Daryl Carter. Here we go. Here be we more, go. Be more excited for you, anyway. Is that is that a unicorn or I don't know? It looks more like a. I don't know. Maybe that looks. Maybe that looks wrong. Maybe he's a rocket. He's a rocket ship. He's a rocket ship. This or Jesus. This is a good horse. This is a good horse. I must admit, I underestimated him after Haydock. But you God, did. You did, Daryl. I did. But God, can't you see this lad just hacking up in a Betfair chase next year? Like oh. this is this is a proper proper horse now. This was a hell of a hell of a strong gallop. Um, again, a lot of people are trying to uh, grab him by saying that Broadway Boy and Apple Away took each other on and set it up for him. Now, there's no doubt he was in pole position to pick up the pieces, but he was never more than what three or four lengths off them. You know, he was lying up with that gallop, and and he he crossed that line like a fresh horse. Now, obviously, he wasn't a fresh horse. He couldn't have been. But that is the first horse in the three-mile vision for me outside of Ile Francais. For me, on my on my ratings, put up a 160 performance. So, for me, he he should be clear favourite at the moment for, for the Brown Advisory if, if you know, the likes of Ile Francais is not going to turn up because he is undoubtedly the best of the British in my mind at the moment. 
Um, the fact that he's already run at Cheltenham over the over the on the new course is a positive and a negative because the old course, the second last on the old course, is probably the the fence that would terrify me for him because mm. he can throw in that sort of sloppy jump, and that is where he the races can be won and lost at the festival. Mm. Um, so, but for me, I, but I tell you what, it'll take a bloody good one to, to, to whoever beats him will win the brand advisory. Would be my opinion of him now. Um, that was that was a brilliant performance at Warwick, and yeah, um, I, I think like you don't want to say these sort of things really, but like if you had to have a horse, I think there's a question actually. If you had to have a, back a horse over five to one, I think it, there is. That is the question. Is, yeah. Grab the question. So the question is from Thomas. See how prepared I am. <laughs> <laughs> the question is from Thomas Doherty. If you had, uh, if you had to have one horse with bigger than five to one odds anti-post right now, who would you back and why? Yeah, we can go around the, the guys with this, but th this would be the one for me. Like he's nine to one on the Betfair Sportswear. That's outrageously big, I think. I, I, I honestly would have him as four to one fav. Now I know he's finished, was behind Stay Away Faye, but he's obviously needed the run first time up and what he's his improvement he's showed is just, is just dramatic for me. So yeah, he really yeah. excites me now. Yeah, no, I I love him. Maybe jumps a bit to the left, but it's it's Kev for me. It's like his personality, his character. Like he's properly enthusiastic, isn't he? He just he like just take it all on. He, he he's 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 exciting to watch. I think. Yeah, he's very likable. You hope he drives on now because he, he's a horse that you can see people really getting behind. You know, for obvious reasons, his style, his color, everything else. Yeah, um, he he ticks the old boxes in in terms of horses that can can grab the public's um, affections and um, yeah, the, I wouldn't be quite as strong as Daryl, but but I was impressed with this. Um, I think this was a big step in the right direction. Look, getting back up the three miles was clearly um, just what he needed. Having gotten nipped the time before, um, over two and a half after that mistake. So yeah, like I'd agree, he's definitely the best contender for that race we've seen um, on the the UK side of the water. And um, yeah, on onwards we go, Natalie. The 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 the, the green dream is still alive. Uh, you got a so you got a question to answer. You do. So I'll just just in case, Kev. So you you <laughs> all all three of you, your brain goes a million miles an hour. But the question for Thomas Doxy then, if you had the bet with bigger than five to one odds uh, and to post, what would it be? Oh lordy, I'd say at the minute I'd be I, I'd be Caldwell Potter in the Supreme. Just hope you know, still a bit of hope attached to that in terms of that he goes there rather than the longer race. But I still think he's the one that just jumps out every time I run down through the markets. I'm still saying like he's still twelve to one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Caldwell Potter. I think that's a good one, actually. I really do, Dave. And what do you think about um Grey Dawning and then also the the readers' question, the listeners' question as well about the five to one odds? I'm going to do a seamless link with my five to one odds one. But um, in terms of Grey Dawning, I, I love him. And what I thought was, I'm surprised he's still ten to one. I thought it might have been a short. I thought the reaction might have been. But what I was really impressed with how strong he was at the line off the back of a searching gallop in testing ground, up to three miles. It was it was full of running. I think he's got all the talent. There's there maybe a bit raw, etc. But I, I think he's I think he's a player. I think he's a huge player. And I think it's great for Dan Skelton that he's got one like this on his hands, one who's looking pure grade one potential, one who can go take it to those big days again next season. Uh, the one who's bigger than five to one, it ties into all. I mean, the, the guys might not like him. We're going to discriminate Hunter's Yarn, who um, we saw win. He's sixteen to one for the Arkle. If you look at the Arkle. Uh, he's going to be Willie Mullins' main run. I think Fasal Vega, they're going to go up in trip. Gaelic Warrior won't go two miles because they're worried about the track. They prefer the track. 
for the two and a half. Hunter's Jan's got a huge engine. Um, now, he did make that one mistake again this time, which mm. is the, the two runs. He's made that one mistake, but there's a real engine there. He's got a time for making it in the high 140s with a P over fences. He's not in the turners. They've not put him in the turners. He's all in for the Arkle. And I just. Very, very unlike Willie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Simon Vinay must be short of a few quid and he's had to cut down on the end. <laughs> They've only put him in the Arkle and he's a speed horse. It's just at the back of my mind that he bombed out there last year in the handicap, didn't they? They took him to the county hurdling. Didn't happen for him that day. But I think he's a serious talent, Hunter's Yarn. Uh, I was worried, yes, he misses out that, that one fence. You won't do that and win an Arkle. But the rest of his fence have been fine. I think I think he's a, a talent. I think 16 to 1 for the Arkle's a big prize because I think he will be the Mullins Arkle runner on the day. Yeah, look, it was a bad mistake to out, but look, he recovered well and then he soon went clear. So 25s into 16 to 1 uh, for the article on the Betfair Sportsbook. Um, Kevin, Hunter's yarn? Yeah, no, echo what Dave says there. Like, you, you get the impression from Woody for the last couple of seasons that this fella is is pretty high up the pecking order in their minds and he hasn't necessarily put it all down on the track just yet. Um, but, you know, offences might be what, what, what you know, the medium through which he expresses all of his ability, he just needs to kind of focus and not make a stupid mistake, mm. you know, because I think he, he was impressive here, but if he hadn't have done that, he would have been better again. So um, you'd like to see him get at least one more run. It's probably going to be one more, I'd say. Uh, the Irish Arkle presumably will come a bit soon, but they, they might find a spot for him um, post that to put him spot on for Cheltenham. And at the one entry angle is really interesting because um as it's now going to be christened from, from now on after this podcast, uh, we all have to deal with a bit of Billy Bingo um, closer <laughs> to the time and, and not having multiple entries to worry about is, is a real uh, is a real treat for this particular fellow. <laughs> yeah, and Daryl, do you have a, any a sort of a firm opinion on Hunter's yarn? Oh, yeah, I don't like him. Nah, no. not for me. Well, look, I just, look, he, he does everything right, but I think he's been given good opportunities and soft opportunities, even when he was over hurdles. Um, he's yet to really do any sort of time figure for me on my book to to really like light the place up. Um, he was 16 lengths behind the handicap winner. Um, on the same card the last day, uh, the Racing Post ratings handicapper gave him a gave him a two pound lesser rating than Marine Nationale. Now Hunter's yarn was, and that's what probably because the the, the form through the third um, firm footings. That's probably what it is, but. The if you look at the two horses, Marine National and 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 Hunter Jan, Hunter Jan's been sixteen lengths behind a handicap, and Marine National did a better time at Leopardstown than the uh, than Dino Blue did in that Grade One on his first start of the season, first start over fences. Like I just think there's a big big gap between a lot of horses that are behind Marine National in the market and Marine National himself, and I and I think you can fall into a sort of um, a bad habit really of trying to find, I know something's got to finish second and third, but trying to find the horse that's going to finish second and third and throwing away the win part of the, of the bet. Mm. I wouldn't be totally convinced that Fasal Vega would go up and trip. I think fast. I don't know what I, I know Willie had mentioned it briefly after his poor run the last day, but that was too bad to be true for, for him just to say, Oh, he's got to go up and trip. So I wouldn't be surprised if Fasal Vega stays in a two-mile division. Um, and therefore, if he does, and he puts in a performance he does as he did in the Supreme last year, I think then you're only playing for one place. 
So for me, I feel at the moment each way betting in that race is just slightly um, risky. Mm. Sorry to put a down on it. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, you haven't. You've not put a down on it. It's a different. It's a different opinion, different angle. It's not a downer at all. It's 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 fair. It's fair point. There's been a lot of hunters yarn and not so much in the others. But Dave, I think can we come to you to sort of talk about two horses for our next one, which is um, Spillane's Tower twenty to one first show for the Arkle and the Turners from the Betfair Sportsbook plus JP Horse on the back of that Punchestown win. But of course, overturning Blood Destiny, the odds-on favourite then. So. Blood Destiny now eleven to one out to fourteen to one for the Arkle. So if we can just analyze that race because it was interesting enough. It was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, Blood Destiny did didn't jump great early doors, won't it? And got into a got into a rhythm, looked in control from three out, but was ultimately run down very comfortably by the win. I know you can go back in trip with Blood Destiny potentially. Mm. Uh, I saw my comment Willie made in the column on ours after his chasing debut win. He made the point that last year he never went on from the first run, Blood Destiny. They thought the world of him. He won first time out and that was as good as he was and that he hoped it wouldn't be the case this time around. Well, the, the jury's definitely out now after race one, two. But the other factor, I don't know if we're underestimating the winner. I think he's um, a really, really nice player. I won't be interested in the article. I think he's a two and a half mile horse. They were going to go turners and that's deep, isn't it? Because you've got Gaelic Warrior and Impere Pass has been put in there, though we're not expecting... Not Impere Pass, sorry. The EA Fonte has been put Gale in there. Fonte. We're not expecting to see him, but... That was a warning shot. But I think it's a really interesting long-term prospect, the winner. But, yeah, the jury's definitely out of a blue, blood destiny for me. Yeah. Kev? Ah, you're disappointed ah. with blood destiny now. Really disappointed. Um, I didn't think his jumping was quite as sharp as it was on, on his chasing debut, but it wasn't, like, bad. It just wasn't as good. <laughs> um, and he looked, he looked in control there, and, and it just didn't happen. Um, and he got run down. And look, you can you could clearly say, oh, he shaped as though a drop and trip would be would suit and, and it will. But you know, it's not that much further than two miles. You know, he, he should have been putting these away. And I'd echo Dave. Like I think the winner is quite smart. And he, he's clearly going forward. Um, with every start over fences, brilliant to see Jimmy Mangan. Um, with another good one, and um, he could he could drive on. I'd say he'd be happier going even further up and trip. But blood destiny. Oh God! Look, I said it's still a live bet. I think. <laughs> it's yeah. the But God, I definitely won't be going up and trip with him, Kev. No, Jesus, no. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but that that was that was a blow. I won't be. I, I won't be um, um, lying down. I, 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 you know excited thinking about blood destiny for the arc i think for the time being but uh we'll see it'd be interesting if they want to try and run them again before or just send them there fresh or what but um yeah god that was that was disappointing yeah it was and and daryl's balance tower yeah, light your fire not not so much lit me fire but I, I kind of thought it was a horse sort of not seeing out his race uh, um and the winner a much stronger stayer i love what he did from the back of the third last of the line you'd have to be very impressed in terms of sort of Cheltenham with him, as sort of Dave mentioned, maybe he's a longer term prospect. Maybe you're going to struggle to really find the correct race for him, and and you wouldn't want to be bumping into a Gaelic Warrior or even a Francais if he if he comes over. But yeah, I'd, I'd echo both the both the lads' thoughts really. Um, yeah. Blood Destiny is just a pain in the arse, and he he's got bundles of ability, isn't he? But I mean, is he just a horse that goes well fresh? I don't know. I don't know. And on the back of that triumph run last year when he come over, you wouldn't even be confident he'd uh, if he came there fresh, you wouldn't be confident now that he would he you know, he would enjoy coming over. So yeah. Yeah. No, look, it, it happens, doesn't it? But 
Hey, uh, we've got two juveniles to look at, but only comment if if you feel like you want to. Don't ever feel like you know you have to comment on these juveniles because we've got a high win, twenty five to one into mm. sixteen to one for the triumph, and we've got the um, Nichols horse, Caliph Dubelay, thirty three to one into twenty to one for the triumph. Both prices on the uh, Betfair Sportsbook, of course. High win winning at Punchestown, bit keen early on. Few jumping errors there, um, and Caliph Dubelay uh, jumped a bit left on on occasion. So, has anyone seen Caliph Dubelay? Because I thought he just looked a really big horse. Or does he look a really big horse? Yeah, I, I didn't have, didn't see him, but that's what he's billed as being now. Um, big chase and type in the making. That's what he looks yes. on on the telly. Um, on the telly. So, so that's what on the, the telly box. That's what they're thinking with him. High wind. I'll give you a high wind. Um, geez, he he he's got a lot plenty of ability. I'd say. Um, Jumping was poor, um, like quite poor in places. Um, he 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 switched around and turned in. And he put the race to bed very quick, and then he um tried to throw it away at the last. He made a mistake. He stumbled, but rally picked up one well. Like don't think it was an electric maiden hurdle by mm. any means, but lordy, I'd say there, there's plenty of ability in there. But he just might be a bit of a a slow burner because he's going to need to sharpen up his jumping pretty sharpish if he's um when he when he goes up a class. Yeah, and Daryl. Oh, sorry. Dave, no, Dave, you go. Yeah, go, on, Dave, go. Ahead, I think Dave. this is a division where you could see a bit of change soon. I think it's really. It seems like Willie's. The, the, the bumper teams like this year. They've said the light on bump horses, good bump horses, and numbers. But there's a lot of juvenile hurdlers to come out close up and still. Um, and it wouldn't surprise you if one or two make their debut in the Grade One of the Dublin Racing Festival because you get to the stage now where you, you don't like losing the status by winning a Grade One. But if you're running the DRF, then run it the Triumph Hurdle and Punch, don't win one. You've still got your novice status mm. for next season. But there's a fair few. I know Dell's put one up already, I haven't seen, but it was in the DRF. And there's a few more to come, I think. Some interesting juvenile hurdles. I think Paul and Willie are both well stacked in this division. They've got more to come as well. I think it's going to be interesting. A few more twists and turns potentially with the juvenile hurdlers to come. You're absolutely, you're absolutely bang on there with that uh, sort of run him in a grade one. And if if, if it doesn't work mm. out, you keep your novice status for next year. Can I just ask you, Dave, what, while we're talking about juvenile division, what did you make of Sir Gino? I was impressed. I, I'd love him to go to Cheltenham, um, do over trials there. We've got about him a Burdett Road going head to head on trials there. That would rescue it. our Constitution Hill less um, trials there, wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic to see him there. Nah, he, he didn't. He's, he scored wrong, Dave. He scored wrong. He scored wrong, 100%. 100%. Two weeks don't give you long enough to get him ready after a bad scope. You've, <laughs> you've no chance. Yeah. But I, I think <laughs> Tajino it ties into the Mullins horse as well, doesn't it? Is it Salvatore Monday we've got who's yeah. still to come, which would be fascinating to see when he does hit the race course. Look, I think it's an interesting division this year, the yeah. juvenile hurdlers, and I think it's going to get potentially more interesting too. I think we have a chance of keeping it in Britain, and I don't think we'd be saying that at the start of the season anyway. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Lordy. It, it, it definitely looks a lot more. Do remember bad. last season how, how bad the English juveniles were? It's oh. definitely a lot rosier seen than last year, for sure. And I don't. I think the English are stronger. I think the Irish don't look as strong. But you know what's going to happen? Like Willie, like you say, is probably going to run some some yoke we can't pronounce in the spring juvenile and win by <laughs> twenty five lengths and change everything. <laughs> well, this lad, this lad, high wind. This is this is some horse, isn't it? This is a proper horse, this, isn't it? When he when he puts it all together. Yeah, he's talented, I'd say. Because, yeah, he, geez, he couldn't have done more wrong, really. More, more he? wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the mistake at the last was, like, but... Yeah, he was on his nose before that, and he just, like, he started, like, he actually jumped off in front, and, you know, as a consequence of his jumping, he's ended up back in, like, fifth. You know, it's just, he, he didn't help himself. Yeah, well, a work in progress, that one. But the 
Bumper, I've been quite excited to to get to this part actually because it's kind of the we've had a few narratives. We've got Caldwell Potter, we've got the Annie Powers folklore, mystical power, and then we get Maureen, which is just lovely. It's the narrative that loads of us love out of half sister to Forheen, so don't get it confused. Um, made the debut twenty to one into seven to one for the champion bumper on the Betfair Sportsbook and saunter clear with plenty in hand. Dave, do you want to do you want to start us off with uh, Maureen the bumper? Yeah, it's a good story, isn't it? Least from the Magnus, uh, obviously, he's <laughs> Coolmore owned, and we'll be heading back there after a, a racing career. Look, it's visually stunning, wasn't it? I've absolutely no idea what she'd be. She'd been to Nace, but not shown that level of ability uh, prior to that debut under rules. I don't know if she's this price because there's no other Mullins bumper horses this year. There's not, I don't know if that's factored in the fact that I think the next shortest is Aurora Vega. In the champion bumper market, we might say it at the DRF, but there's a strong theme running here with star mares and their, their progeny for, for Willie. Look, it was probably not much of a race. The time from number one is about 108, 110. She'd need to be well up on that to be winning a champion bumper. But my goodness, they were getting nowhere near the bottom of her, were they? And it's exciting, given the breeding, given the connection, that she did what she did. But she looks short enough for me for Chelan. Yeah, Daryl, what do you think? Just always, look, she, the performance was great. But as Dave said, like the form is pretty worthless, really, when you go through it. But no doubt a horse with plenty of potential. I just always get a little bit, and I don't know how you guys feel, but I always get a little bit um, turned off by horses like this that have been syndicated out. Um, I, 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 and, and that's nothing against syndicates. I love syndicates before, before I go any further. But I just... <laughs> Do you know, like, for example, last yeah, year... Yeah, right? I hate syndicates too, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> for, for example, last year, Ilite Toms, right, is a <laughs> grand old horse, but Willie Mullins happy to syndicate him out. That's not his... That's not was not going to be his supreme horse. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's been syndicated out. Just like this one, I, I don't know. I just, I just... Whenever I see a syndicated horse that's blowing people's minds, I kind of just take a step back a bit. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. Probably wrong, but um, like, like unexpected things can happen. Like, look, and ultimately, right. Willie, like Willie, is is could sort out the fucking Middle East if he sent him in there. Like, he's so good at managing these owners <laughs> and keeping them all happy. And like, whether consciously or subconsciously, he will inevitably try to look after his very best clients. But at the same time, like like Hurricane Fly. I think he ended up with the people he ended up with. The story goes because I think no one else really wanted to take him. He was too small, and now you know he goes and wins. You know whatever it was, seventy six grade ones. Um, so that, like things can happen. And they did make mention after this that um the performance was probably beyond what they were expecting based on homework. Um, but look at this this um, leasing out of of well bred mares is really popular now. She like the the likes of the. Um, Jesus, the, the Supreme Racing Club. You know they ended up with a few Grade One winners, um, doing similar things. So, you know, it can it can happen, and it can happen in that operation too. Yeah. It's interesting. She, she was only in in the spring, wasn't she? She came in for two or three weeks in the spring from pre-training. Thought she was too big to be a summer mare, and turned out. So, I bet they had no idea what they had on their hands until three or four weeks ago. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very good point. And Dave was typically for Romeo Culio twelve to one into seven to one for the champion bumper. Yeah, absolutely. Past no idea. The dogs would be barking from his point to point. It costs a fortune. Gordon loves him. They're all the positives. It's a bit of a farce of a bump, wasn't it? There went no gallop. That didn't suit him. Is a staying type, but you wouldn't watch that and think, yeah, he's a champion bumper favourite. But then again, he's seven to one. 
Gordon Elliott loves him. Look, he's a fantastic long-term prospect. I don't think we'll learn a great deal in that bumper. No. Daryl? Completely agree. I'll try to cut him from the running order. Oh. <laughs> Look, I, I, I <laughs> Like it, it was very slowly run, as Dave said. Clung on from a horse that was beating 13 lengths prior to that. He's going straight to Cheltenham. Your yeah. guess is as good as mine. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah you'd, love to, you'd love to see him again, really, because you know they said, and, and in fairness, you know Gordon had said it a few weeks earlier that he had had a hold up, um, and and that they didn't think it was anything like Cherry Ripe. And you can, when you look at it in that context, you can kind of forgive him for maybe being a, a little bit workmanlike. But um, the form level is is nothing really. So you, yeah. you'd love to see him again in, in in winner's company to get a better read on him before you go into Cheltenham. But it sounds like we might not get that. Fair enough. Well, that kind of concludes our novice hurdlers and novice chasers, our juvenile hurdlers, our bumpers. So we kind of really covered a nice broad spectrum there. We've heard performance of the week um, by you, Dave, Mystical Power, Daryl, I, I believe Grey Dawning, who we, we've spoken about. Yep. Um, Kev, have we had your performance of the week? No. Um, da, da, da. Yeah, really happy. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. How come hold Kev on. gets a jingle? That was a jingle. <laughs> Why? If you, if you write your own jingle, we'll play it. <laughs> Why, Daryl? Why, Daryl? Is because I was very excited how it leads so nicely after Kev's performance of the week into our anti-post preview for week eight, which is the Ryanair Chase. If, 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 if everyone was worthy of a jingle, this is it. Um, and yeah, Banbridge, delighted with him at Kempton. Um, really pleased. Um, as, as we talked about in recent weeks, like he'd, he'd been ready for a little while. It was just a case of waiting for um, nice ground. Um, finally got it at Kempton just about. Um, conditions of the race were in his favour. He was getting three pounds from the from the big guns. And um, he, he was really good. And like I, I thought there was plenty of encouragement to be taken from it in that that he can be better again with this under him because I thought he did look a little bit rusty um, mid-race he was just not travelling as well as you'd expect him to and um, his jumping then as well it was very good it was very good in the main but like fifth last fourth last third last second last you know he was just a little bit scrappy at them um, he needed a big one at the last just to put away pick Dory and he was super long um, and found a leg and went away and won well if he'd been a little bit more typical at the fifth, fourth, third, second, last, I think he probably would have won quite well. Um, so you'd be delighted. You'd be yeah. delighted. It'll put him bang on. Um, all roads lead to the Ryanair with the, the little asterisk beside it that if it did happen to rain, he'd probably wait for the Manning Chase. Um, he waited for Aintree last year when the ground went. So um, just that's the that's the thing to bear in mind if you're looking to get involved um, anti-post. But um yeah, um, being as objective as I can, I, th- I think this performance was a step forward. The official handicapper gave him gave him six pounds up to a career high, and um, look, he looks to be in the mix. It look we might see Alaho at the weekend, yeah, Turles, which would be really informative for this because you you at the minute Alaho doesn't look quite the same as he was two years ago. Um, Alaho of of two years ago, I don't think there's anything around now that would beat him, but it's we, we think he might not quite be at that level. And if he's, um, you know, eight or ten pounds below where he was, the likes of Anbridge can give him a real whack, I think. So, yeah, we're really happy with that comeback. Will he, will he run again before the festival? Was I'd say it? not. I'd say not. Um, there wouldn't really be anything super suitable for him now. And um, Joseph seemed happy that, that one run. He's just very, very happy to get it done and dusted now because 
when there, there was talk kind of this, uh, you know, first half of last week from Kevin that maybe it might not dry out super fast. And we were looking at what the alternatives would be now. And we were having to throw some kind of funny ones into the mix there. Um, handicaps and everything like in, in, in terms of what we might have to do if he didn't get to, get to go to Kempton um, because Turles you just you, you hope to get nice ground at Turles but you wouldn't be guaranteed it so yeah great to get him out and look all roads lead to uh, Cheltenham and if if we have to divert to Aintree on, on, on account of the ground so be it but yeah, yeah in a good spot at the minute with him there well, looking at the Ryanair chase, the market move is Edwardstone 12 to 1 out to 33 to 1, Banbridge 10 to 1 into 5 to 1, and Pick Dory still 33 to 1 on the Betfair Sportsbook. Alaho 11 to 4, always said Banbridge 5 to 1, and Volen 6 to 1, Stage Star 13 to 2, Appreciate It 9 to 1, John Bond 11 to 1, Classic Getaway goes 16 to 1 bar. So, Daryl, how are you at this moment looking at the Ryanair chase? Well, I, I, I'm. I'm... I'm doubtfully of the opinion that Banbridge is the one to beat. Um, yeah. I thought before Banbridge had run on Saturday that Alahove could probably perform to a level of about 160 and may just get away with winning this. Um, I wasn't over impressed, overly impressed with him in the King George. <clears throat> I too would be of the opinion that I think he's he's probably on the slight decline, maybe possibly. Um, I'm happy with my position on, on Envoy Allen. I think uh, I didn't think he was given the credit he deserved when he won the race last year. I thought he was well on top of Shishkin at, at the line. That's rock solid form. Um, but Banbridge would scare me and stop me going in again on Envoy Allen. Um, like Kev said, though, I would wouldn't be back in Banbridge from an anti-post perspective. Uh, five to one in March could look a spectacular price, but as Kev said, you you, you want the ground for him. And uh, I was on him for the Turners last year and uh, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, Kev, Kev pulled him out at the last minute. So I'll send, you, I'll send you the invoice <laughs> for that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but look, uh, look, he's he's absolutely tailor-made, Banbridge, in my opinion, for this. Like, absolutely tailor-made. You've got a lot of horses that drop into this division because they're not quite good enough at two miles. They don't mm. really quite get three miles. Whereas Banbridge is a real, real sort of two and a half mile specialist at this point in his career. Would he get further? Possibly, um, in my opinion. But he's going to be very hard to beat. He's going to be very, very hard to beat. I think, look, Stage Star could, needs to put a poor run behind him. He's not a million miles off um, on what he did the time before at Cheltenham to be in the mix with these. We could see Alaho come away from this market the weekend if, you know, if, you know, if, if he performs poorly. Um, so it's going to be blown wide open. I don't think John Bond will parachute in here if he doesn't meet. For example, on mm -hmm. Saturday, they're supposed, John Bond's supposed to meet El Fabiolo in the Clarence House. If that's rearranged and mm. El Fabiolo decides to stay in Ireland for the Dublin chase, all of a sudden John Bond's got a freebie at two miles. There's not a chance he's going to come into this race, whereas he could come in if they do clash and he's kicked out of the way. He could parachute in, but... At the moment, I think the if the race was run tomorrow, I'd be back in Banbridge. And and Dave, what about you? How are you looking at the Ryanair chase at this point? Yeah, there were two. The shooters are making two plays. With Edward Stone was one five. He stepped up in trip. They they've been ripped up. And John Bon, as Davil said, catapulting in here if he got beaten the Clamers House chase. That's likely not to happen now. Even in that classic Ascot, and they wouldn't bring El Fabiolo over to reduce prize money. I think it's between the two second season. Chase, I think Alo has been the stone below his best in the two runs this season. And I think, I'm not sure they can find that stone between. 
now a mark to take on board Bambridge and everything, but he's not a betting proposition at this stage because of the ground, just on that one caveat that if it turned up heavy, you'd wait for entry. And I think Stage Star achieved just as much first time out this season. I think Paul Nichols was very quick with Barry on the Ditch It Diary the Monday after his defeat over Christmas, New Year's Day, that they knew what had gone wrong. They could put it right and get him back fit and firing. And I think the Ryanair is between him and Bambridge. Yeah, fair point. I know I'm a big fan of Stage Dives. My horse follow, I love him. But um, that's kind of our review of the Ryanair uh, chase at this point. And then we look back at our anti-post selections for the festival at this stage. And David, we've been picking each week anti-post selections, but you don't have to have one. We've always said that. Um, yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll recap just so you kind of get an idea. Obviously, you've watched all the shows, so you know them all off my heart anyway. Obviously. The level's the level's not set that high, Dave. Bar's <laughs> <laughs> not set that high. <laughs> you probably don't need reminding, but our listeners might want to be reminded. Um, week one, the first selections, Daryl's and NVLN, 14 to 1 for the Ryanair, now 6 to 1. So it's still looking pretty good, Daryl. So as we've just um, looked at the uh, Ryanair. Kev was on Coke Coke. Croke Park at 20 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett now 25 to 1. Kev. How do you feel about that, Kev? Ah, disappointed with him now. The one thing you would want them to do with the dollars is hit the line, even if it was back in third. And um, they rode him as I hoped they would. They were a bit more forward with him, but yeah, disappointing. Disappointing. Don't know if we if we still have a live chance there, but yeah, we're on the back foot with that one, I think. You are a bit, because Daryl's sitting quite pretty at the moment, really. Envoyelen, it's second week, Daryl's on. <laughs> Jericho de Rappinay, 12 to 1 for the Supreme, now 5 to 1. Kev, gentleman's game, 20 to 1 for the Gold Cup, still 20 to 1. I see you love a gentleman's game, though, but we just... Where is he? Yeah, we want to we want to see him run prior to Cheltenham. Hopefully he will. Exactly. Third week selections, Daryl, Ashro Diamond, 11 to 2 for the Mayor's Hurdle, now 8 to 1. Kev decided to have no bet. In the fourth week, Daryl's well, on... Wisely. <laughs> Hold <laughs> <laughs> oh on, my list is about to start going downhill now. <laughs> it, it is because Daryl was on Indiana Dream at 10 to 1 for Turner, sadly out for the season. So we played this game, we could like twist or, sti- or stick. Daryl obviously had to twist there because Indiana Dream's out and went on to Corbett's Cross, now 16 to 1 for the National Hunt Chase, now into 14. So there you go, a little bit of love there, Daryl. Uh, Brendan, with Brendan Duke on, he had no bet. Fifth week, Week five, Daryl's on Mighty Bandit, eight to one for the Triumph. Now twenty to one, twisted to Sir Gina, who Daryl loves at six to one Triumph. Still six to one, but Daryl, I know time is ticking on. But talking of Mighty Bandit, we've got a listener question from Adam. When a selection brackets Mighty Bandit in your case brackets disappoints so soon after putting it up and it drifts considerably, do you go back in and back him again at a far bigger price, or how do you analyse it? And what are your thoughts on him now? Well, it all depends on the situation of of the horse, the reason why he's gone out. So, for the, in this example, Mighty Bandit ran poorly in the in the uh, Leopardstown, and but was found with an excuse with mu- mucus in his nose. Typically, yes, I would then if there was a clear and valid excuse and I felt that the reason I backed him was strong was strong enough, I would go back in again. However, this Triumph Hurdle division has got is getting deeper and deeper by the week. Uh, so I've just left him alone. Yeah, fair enough. And that fifth week, week five, Brendan was on Edward Stone, 20 to 1 for the Ryanair, now 33 to 1. The sixth week, Daryl, Mystical Power, 25 to 1. The Ballymore, um, 8 to 1. Kev, Blood Destiny, 14 to 1 for the Arkle. 
now still 14 to 1. Week 7, just last week, Daryl under control, 50 to 1. Massive price from Daryl there for the Mad Hurdle. Still 50 to 1. Kev had no bet. And Ryan had fact to file at 5 to 1 for the Brown Advisory. Still 5 to 1. You must be sick of my voice. Let's go for week 8 selections, Dave Ord. Let's start with you for your anti-pose this week. If you now say no bet, my crescendo is going to go. Well, I, I am keeping my powdered right. I was going to be a smart art and put up Lecky Watson at 14 with the sports book for the Martin Pike. But the fact is not in fact we haven't got handicap mark. It doesn't feel like he's on the radar. It was nearly a bet, but I'm not going to put him up. I'm going to sit on my hands and listen to what the other two guys have got to say. Daryl. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep in line with the column as I try to do every single week. Uh, this week I put up Grey Dawning at 10 to 1 on the column. He's 9 to 1 now, I think, on the Betfair Sports Book. So still very, very happy with that price. I think he's a huge player in the Brown Advisory. The lads have both given him a good mention, as have you. So I think he's a, a solid bet at nine to one. And your performance of the week. I'm Kevin not... Blake, do you have an anti-post for us this week? I do. I do. Because uh, I, I, I just was thinking there, I've been talking about him and um, commenting on his price for the last few weeks. So I better get him in the bag. I'll stick Caldwell Potter in for the Supreme. Um, now, look, it could take a, it could take a left turn at the, at the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, well, hopefully he will left-handed track, but you know what I mean, um, in terms of his target. But I, I just think right here and now, like and for the last couple of weeks, he's just overpriced. Like, I think that, that, that bit, that's the best bit of form in the Supreme right now. We have obvious scope for improvement with the with the two JP ones, clearly. But um, this fella's more than double their price, and, and it's in the bag already. So, Caldwell Potter at 12-1 for the Supreme. Love it. Well, thanks, lads. And obviously, we, we give you all the prices in the Betfest Sportsbook and we give you anti-post when relevant. Dave Orr's decided to sit on his hands in this one. That's what we want. We gamble responsibly. It is unbelievably important. Um, so gamble responsibly. Thank you for listening to our Cheltenham Only Better Week 8. And we'll be back next week for Week 9, surprisingly. <laughs> but lads, thank you very much for another great show and have a wonderful day. <laughs>